0: Hello out there. We're on the air. Happy Monday, happy holiday Monday. I just about started the show. I was just about to hit the go live button without my little notepad here. Would have been a freestyle show, but luckily I noticed last second. Here we are. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, YouTube. Good morning, Rumble. It's quiet in this house today. And it is beautiful outside. Uh, What is going on today? We got a lot of stuff going on. Wasn't gonna do a show today, but I decided we got work to do. We got a lot of stuff going on. And I mean, whatever. What else am I gonna be doing right now? Laying in the bed? So here we are. Today's show, we're gonna be talking about explaining Bitcoin to an eight-year-old. And there's a couple of reasons for this. For one, I think it's important if anybody is watching this as if they're an eight year old, if they're not too well versed in the financial world, this will be a good start for them, I think. And I think the other aspect is for Bitcoiners out there, it's important to have kind of a concept in a very simple and basic terminology so you can explain it to people if they ask. If you ever find yourself in a situation where somebody says, explain Bitcoin to me like I'm an eight year old. We need to have some ammunition ready. So it's dual purpose today. It's going to be a good show. Crypto Heathen is here. Miss VFUD in the house. Always correcting me on, or not correcting me, but giving me shit on ShakePay stuff. Sashi, my fellow Manitoban, and Rick is in the house. Did you know how eight-year-olds know how to smash the like button? Be smarter than an eight-year-old. Rick's always coming in hot with some some good advice. I'm waiting for Rock and Roll to show up for his morning uh, <laughs> story for the chat. Anyways, let's get let's get into things here. But before we do, as I've been doing every morning, I'm going to do a, a quick little ad here before we get to the metrics. And this morning is going to be about The Bitcoin journey, 21 day course. So if you are somebody out there or you know somebody out there who's looking to get some Bitcoin, you want to have a good foundation build because there's lots of different paths you can go down. There's lots of different ways you can lose your money. But if you do it properly, if you navigate it properly and if you have somebody there to kind of hold your hand through it all, it makes a huge difference. So the Bitcoin journey, 21 day course. 21 days, it's about 20 videos, all of, or 21, I think. They're all about 20 minutes long. They're very short, very, hopefully easy to understand. And there you get two check-ins. So you get one halfway and you get one at the end. So during those sessions with me, we can just chat about whatever you, whatever's on your mind at the time. The first check-in is going to be buying the Bitcoin and sending it to your wallet. I think it's nice just to have somebody there who's done it before, just to kind of, Like I said, hold your hand through the process. And then at the end, whatever gave you issues or whatever questions you have, that's when we talk about that. And we kind of of develop a Bitcoin strategy for you and for your business. So that course you can find at bitcoinjourney.ca. 21 days and the beauty of it, there's a little added incentive there. If you actually finish it in the 21 days, you get half the course fee back. Pretty good, I think it's gonna bring a lot of value to people out there. There's gonna be lots of people asking for Bitcoin in these next two years. So that's gonna be there for them. <clears throat> okay, let's get to the metrics here today. Where are your metrics? Oh, here we go. Before that though, this is the website, bitcoinjourney.ca. I meant to bring this up while I was doing my ad, but things don't always go as planned on live TV. So this is the website. You can find everything that you need right here, bitcoinjourney.ca. The block height today, 831-134. And I thought we were maybe gonna hit a palindrome block on the show but we got four more before that happens. So it's 831134. Four blocks is going to be a palindrome block. I don't know how rare those are, but they are fairly rare. <laughs> if you're transacting on the Bitcoin layer 1 network today, you're paying about 13 sats per byte. Pretty good deal. The price today Last time I checked anyways, earlier this morning, it was $52,271 US dollars. One year ago, you could have purchased one Bitcoin for about half of that. 24341 USD. And four years ago in our Bitcoin halving cycle, every four years. So four years ago, you could have purchased one Bitcoin for under 10 k at 9642 US dollars. The Moscow time today, which is the equivalent One U.S. dollar, how many sats will that get you? That's what Moscow time is. One U.S. dollar will get you 1,913 satoshis. And here in Canada today, she's a beauty. The price, 70,524 Canadian dollars. Look how nice it is outside. We're on the small screen, but you can get a good idea there. Beautiful. We've had some blue skies, some sunshine, and it feels like spring here, finally. Not finally, I guess we're mid-Feb. Been pretty spoiled. Moose Jaw time today, which is the Canadian equivalent to Moscow time. One Canadian dollar will get you 1,420 sats. The lower that number goes, the better off we're going to be. We want the Moose Jaw time and the Moscow time to be low. That's it. Have a good day, everybody. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's get this off the screen for now. Uh, Yep. I'm going to set up this next one, though, because I do have something to share. It's going to be at the end, though. It's going to be closer to the end of the show today. A little teaser there. Okay, actually, before we get to the main part of the show today, we should talk about the fact that there's a new record for Bitcoin hash rate, oh, and I took it off of here. Oh, I'm not going to bring it back up. Bitcoin hash rate hit a new all time high over the weekend, which is a very, very good indication and i think that the not just me there's a lot of people out there who think that the hash rate is a much more important metric to focus on rather than the price of bitcoin because that's how much energy is being put into the bitcoin network so the hash rate it's essentially all it is every time somebody plugs in a miner a bitcoin miner at their house or they start a company bitcoin mining every time one plugs in the hash rate goes up every time one unplugs hash rate goes down so typically Typically, when we're leading up to a halving like we are right now, we're just over a month away, actually about two months away from halving. But the typically what we've seen in the past is that the hash rate starts to, to turn off. People start unplugging because when the halving comes, half of the new Bitcoin, the incentives for miners, that's how they get paid. That's how they make money, is new Bitcoin being issued to the miner. So when that gets chopped in half, half of their revenue gets cut in half. They still have the exact same fixed costs. The electric electricity costs do not change, but half of their revenue gets cut in half. So typically what we see is the hash rate drops before the halving, but right now it is ripping. So that's a pretty good indication of kind of what's to come here. And everybody always says this time is gonna be different. And I don't know if it is or yeah, this time is gonna be different, which means that in the past, everything dropped, the price dropped right before having. but I think that this time might be different. I don't know for sure, but it seems like things are setting up that way. There's a ton of demand right now in the ETFs, a ton. BlackRock, (laughs) I'm probably gonna say this every show for the next year, but BlackRock is buying They do not care what the price is. They're buying as much Bitcoin as they can get their hands on. And they're never gonna sell that Bitcoin, ever. They've created an ETF where they can put that into a nice little package for people and sell it to them. But they're never ever gonna sell that Bitcoin in that fund. So that's important. Johnny's in the house, good morning. Yeah, it's pretty nice Pretty nice view here, especially sunrise and for the last three months it's been pretty dark in, in this room in the morning so it's nice to get some sunshine some light and some be able to catch the sunrise okay so yesterday we had a nice easy Sunday yesterday I took it pretty easy had a late one on Saturday night but yesterday I was watching an interview and it was with I think his name's Quoth, Quoth the Raven. Kind of a weird name. Kind of a weird dude too, but I, I liked him. But he has a blog. I'll, I'll give a bit of a background on him, and then we'll talk about the interview, and then we'll get to what I want to talk about, and then we'll show part of this interview. That's kind of today's show. So this Quoth the Raven, I think he's a blogger. Sounds like he has his own financial blog. and just the way he talks, he he talks like a Bitcoiner. He's a gold guy. That's kind of his number one is gold. So he understands the monetary system, the problem with printing money, the problem with being able to print money without any sort of work going into that and what that leads to. So he gets that. But the, this interview and kind of why he's been in the news a little bit lately in terms of the Bitcoin world is because he has newly decided to talk about Bitcoin to start allocating some of his investments into Bitcoin. So during that, he kind of, during this interview, and I highly suggest you watch it, it's almost two hours long, but it's a really good interview. And I'll try to leave a link below if I remember for it. But he's talking about what happened, what made him go from not liking Bitcoin to buying Bitcoin. And so the, the host here, I'm sure everybody watching this has seen some of the what Bitcoin did interviews and so peter the host he basically said (laughs) welcome to the cult of bitcoin which i don't love honestly and i i know that he was joking with it but i do think that you know the way some people talk within bitcoin it does kind of seem that way and i the purpose of this show and i think that this why this show will continue to grow and this channel will continue to grow is because there's not much talk like that i think that's this show is more focused on logic and I think people resonate with that more than trying to sell you uh, trying to sell you on stuff and and talk about different things within it more like a, a cult would be. This is just logic. Talk about what it is, what the opportunity is, and try to connect some dots along the way there. But anyways Peter said that welcome to the cult Bitcoin cult. So this guy said no not that's not the case at all. And so then he goes on to explain, the bitcoiners he thinks that bitcoiners are too much sometimes historically i think that that's the case that's actually the reason why i didn't get into bitcoin when i probably should have back in 2016 or 17 i was i was watching tv there was bitcoin was all over it how much it was running up but then i the guys that were talking about bitcoin in my life in my network were selling it in a very sleazy way they had no idea what it actually was. They were just trying to make a quick buck off it. They didn't understand anything to do with Bitcoin. And that's kind of why I, stay, I stayed away from it. Cause I'm like, if, if these guys are in Bitcoin and this is kind of how they're selling it, it seems like something I do not want to be a part of. And so I didn't, I just steered away, forgot about it for the next four years or three years. And then when I actually took the time to figure out what it is, and how it could change everything, then you kind of feel differently about it. So that's one aspect. And he said that most people in Bitcoin can't explain it to an eight-year-old. He said that any good investment, any worthwhile investment, you should be able to explain it to an eight-year-old with a crayon. That was kind of his analogy there. And Peter, the host of what Bitcoin did, kind of... (laughs) I think he did a very poor job of explaining it, but I mean, he was kind of on the spot. That's fine. He's got a very large audience and it's much easier to sit on the couch and watch it. You ever watch something or watch an interview and you just want to be a part of it. You want to have your say in that. So that's kind of what was happening here. This cloth guy asked Peter, how would you explain it to an eight-year-old? And he didn't have a very good answer. And this is a, Bitcoin, probably one of the biggest shows in Bitcoin, the host of that show. And he couldn't answer this question. And so I was a little bit, I started thinking about it myself and I had an answer right away to what that is. And so kind of the way I would explain it to an eight-year-old is is very simple. He, he went into, he tried explaining that if you're writing with the crayon, you break half that crayon in half every time you draw something kind of going towards inflation, but there's no way an an eight-year-old could explain inflation or could understand inflation. And so basically the way I would explain Bitcoin to an eight-year-old or somebody who's never spent one second in Bitcoin before is I would just explain it exactly how it is at the top of the Bitcoin white paper. And I think we've come too far away from that. But Bitcoin is essentially just peer-to-peer electronic cash. And I think that if you try to go too far past that, if you try to start explaining different things about Bitcoin in that very first touch point, you're just going to turn people off of that. Because at the end of the day, that's all that it is. It's just a peer-to-peer electronic cash. People use it for many different things. People have many different use cases for it. Peter, for example, he his main use case for Bitcoin is a store of wealth. He's afraid of what's happening with his currency, the euro, and so he wants to protect his wealth in Bitcoin. But I think if you start with that peer-to-peer electronic cash, it's just a currency. It's much better than our currency, but it's just a currency. And from there, I think once you kind of have that as your what Bitcoin is, then you can start asking different questions. You can start going down different paths within Bitcoin. But that's kind of the starting point that I think is most important is that it's a peer-to-peer electronic cash. It's a currency. It's exactly like our US dollar. It's exactly like our Canadian dollar. But then once people realize kind of how our monetary system works, that's when they can start exploring what gives Bitcoin its value. But at its, at its very core, it's just peer-to-peer electronic cash. And I don't think we should stray too far away from that. Because then you start asking the questions to yourself, what is peer-to-peer mean? Why is that important? So that's kind of the what and the why. The what is a peer-to-peer electronic cash. The why within Bitcoin is to get rid of the centralized institutions, the centralized authorities who have been controlling this world for hundreds of years now. So you, you kind of, from there you go into why is peer-to-peer important? How are these transactions verified without the banks? What do the banks do right now? What does the world look like without banks in it compared to today? What's the impact of printing money? How does our monetary system work? Because most people don't have any of these dots yet connected. Most people don't understand how our monetary system works. And so if if somebody asked you, what is the Canadian dollar, what is our currency? If you tried to explain that there's a centralized bank They print based on everything else happening around the world. They raise and lower interest rates based on, (laughs) you know, there's, there's so much to understand there, but people don't need to understand that to use the currency. And I think it's the same with Bitcoin. You don't have to understand how this all works on day one. All you have to know is that it's a peer to peer electronic cash. And I like how they use the word cash instead of currency. Because Bitcoin, the characteristics within Bitcoin are very similar to cash. And lots of people out there love cash. There's lots of people that I know that love cash for a few reasons. One is that nobody else needs to know what they're doing with that cash. They can earn the cash without people knowing about it. And they can spend that cash without people knowing about it. And it's instant. You don't have to wait for the banks to pay you. If you're a business, if you're a small business here, in Canada, somebody pays you for your service or your product that comes out of their bank account instantly, but it actually doesn't hit your bank account for a few, few days later. That's just how the system works because of what's in between there. It's not peer to peer, it's peer to bank, to visa, to other bank, to you. And so uh, that's why I like the fact that if you use cash, if you compare it more to cash, I think that'll resonate more with people. And if you think about, (laughs) I I mean, we could go down a, a hundred different paths here within this and why, I think if you start there and then you start exploring what our monetary system is, and then you start understanding why Bitcoin is far superior to our current system, That's kind of the best road, but you have to start there. So I'm gonna show you this clip now, after all that, after they kind of bounce back and forth around that question for a while. This guy, this Quoth the Raven, he actually, this is about a three minute clip I'm gonna show, but they understand it. They just have a hard time putting it into words like that. And so I think that if you are somebody who's watching this, who's into Bitcoin, you're probably gonna have this question come up regularly in the next two years. So make sure that you have a decent, you don't have to use mine. You don't have to use my answer. That's kind of how I see it. And I think that's the most simple way to explain it. But make sure that you have this ready to go, like an elevator pitch almost for Bitcoin. You have to be able to explain it to somebody who has no idea about Bitcoin or how our current system works. And like I said, if you go too far down the road too fast, you're going to lose them. So, even though these guys do fully understand kind of the whole concept behind Bitcoin, Peter was not able to translate that in a very easy to understand for eight year olds way of doing it. And this is a great point. And I actually did want to touch on this. So, thanks for bringing this to the attention because part of this, what they were talking about here, is the have fun staying poor. So this guy, kind of when he was talking about Bitcoin, he said the reason why he was turned off by it is because of, of the tox, toxicity, I guess. He didn't say that, but that's kind of what he was referring to. So Bitcoiners can be very aggressive in terms of pushing on to people. And kind of one thing I've been trying to talk about quite a, often on this channel is that you have to meet people where they are. You can't ever push Bitcoin on somebody. They have to be open-minded. They have to be ready for it. And this have fun staying poor is part of that. It's, it's just a very, I think it's a disrespectful thing to say and do. Uh, but I made a post about this on Noster the other day too. And I said, things within Bitcoin that I think we could do without. And one of those was calling people normies. So within Bitcoin, whoever doesn't own, Bit- not everybody in Bitcoin, but the Bitcoin community itself. They refer to people who don't have Bitcoin for the most part as normies. This isn't strictly to Bitcoin. This is for kind of people who have figured out that something's wrong here in our system. And they're kind of doing things to mitigate that. But they call people normies. And I think that's a very, again, disrespectful and a turnoff for a lot of people. Because when was the last time that somebody insulted you and then you went on to take their advice with anything? I just think that's a very poor approach, calling people normies, saying things like have fun staying poor. That's kind of just a joke. I guess it's kind of like a meme, but it still is disrespectful. And I think it's counterproductive to kind of what we're wanting to do here. Even if you are just joking or being sarcastic, I think it does a lot more damage than good, calling people normies. And even even saying things like orange pilling people, it just seems like you're, you're shoving something down people's throat when you say you're that you're orange pilling them. That's not the idea here. That's not the purpose of, and if you, on the flip side of that, if you're somebody who, you know, was the person who was orange pilled, it's just a weird concept, I think. And I think that we kind of start, have to go, start going away from that a little bit because everybody else is just people who haven't figured out what's going on here yet. And we were there not that long ago. I was one of those people not that long ago. So I think it's ignorant to refer to people as different than you just because they don't have this understanding of what's going on, especially since that's the 99% of the population. So I I did want to kind of talk about the one way to explain it to people, just to kind of have in your back pocket. And if you want to use the peer-to-peer cash, you can, but, or think of your own. I think it's just important that you have your own kind of answer to that when people ask you, because they will. If people know you're a Bitcoiner, they're gonna be coming to you in these next two years. So just kind of prepare for that as best that you can. Because if they ask you that question and you start rambling or saying, um, um, same thing, turn off. If somebody who's in Bitcoin can't doesn't even understand it or can't even explain it to you, then how in the hell are you supposed to be able to understand it? There he is, rock and roll. Good morning, Bitcoiners. <clears throat> Happy trillion dollar day. On this day in 2021, Bitcoin's market cap reached one trillion for the very first time. So it hit tri- one trillion last week again as well. So we're in the very small percentage of kind of price right now in terms of we haven't been this high for that long in Bitcoin's history. Crypto Heathen says most people have a sense that our money is heavily manipulated and may have a light bulb moment when they realize that Bitcoin is unfuckwithable. Yep. That's the thing. People are kind of at the stage now. People are kind of are starting to feel this whole thing. They're starting to feel the inflation. Everything's costing so much more. And no matter how hard they work, they can't get ahead. For the most part, there are very wealthy people out there who will never have to worry about money in their life. But that's not the average. The, the 99% of people are working their ass off right now. They cannot get ahead. They could have three or four jobs and they could still be behind the eight ball. And that's not, that's not how we were designed to be. That's not what we were designed to do. So people are understanding the fact that something's wrong here. Something's wrong with our system, something's wrong with our money maybe, but they don't they haven't really connected those yet. And so if you if you show them bitcoin is kind of an alternative to our currency, it doesn't have to be digital gold. It doesn't have to be a store of wealth. It's just a peer-to-peer cash that's a much better facilitator of that because there's nobody in between there so you start with that and then people can kind of go down their own rabbit holes essentially and that's what people have to do you can't just you can explain it to somebody but they can't understand it in half an hour they have to kind of have the the core concept of it but then it's it's up to them to do the work and it's up to them to listen to the podcast and watch the videos and read the books whatever however they learn they have to do that on their own and they have to be willing and ready to do that. So that's kind of that. I think that two things, have something ready to go in terms of explaining it to people. And don't be ignorant about it. Meet people where they are. Don't ever make someone feel stupid for not understanding how things work, how our money works, how Bitcoin works. It's a very long path to kind of understanding it all. And don't ever, don't ever make somebody feel stupid for not understanding that because it, it does no good at all. It's very counterproductive. And I think that if anything, we should be the exact opposite of that. We should be very welcoming to anybody who wants to learn instead of shitting on people who don't. So just be careful with with your words because words are very important. When you're referring to people as normies or saying things like, I just orange-pilled somebody. or have fun staying poor. It's a turnoff. Like I said, think about it. When was the last time that somebody insulted you and then you went on to take their advice on anything? Somebody insults you, you're just like, "Okay, well, fuck you." <laughs> like, I'm not listening to anything you say anymore if you're just going to unnecessarily insult me or shit on me. Your words your words are done with me. So, Something to consider. It's it's fun to kind of talk that way, maybe to people within the Bitcoiner, but that that has a that reaches outside of that as well. And I think that it'll have a negative impact on kind of what we're trying to accomplish here. Just my opinion. BTC Moon Guy, the Honey Badger. I never let anyone's opinions or feelings get in the way of me buying Bitcoin. True, and Bitcoin doesn't really care either. Doesn't care what we call people, doesn't care how we explain it. Bitcoin is just doing exactly what it was designed to do. And it's kind of up to us to navigate that and and help grow that network and secure that network. Okay, so like I said, after all this, after all that they talked about, nobody could really explain it to an eight-year-old on this show. But I think the further they got down the episode, this three minutes here I think will resonate with a lot of people. So I'm going to play it. Hopefully everything works. And
1: we'll see you in three minutes. If you are that middle class brick laying nickel and dime shit heel, right? And you're from that same middle class that I'm from. And, <clears throat> you know, you hustled for a living. My dad was a mailman. He worked six days a week, delivering on foot to 250 houses a day. And he worked overtime, right? If you're out there putting in the work and the only thing you want to do is preserve your wealth, you have a legit beef with monetary policy. You have a legit beef with running $2 trillion deficits. So if you want to opt out of that system and you want to get pissed off the next time there is an Occupy Wall Street, the exit ramp could very well be Bitcoin for a number of reasons. I mean, sure, gold is always my first and foremost. Gold is always my main chick, all right? Bitcoin's kind of like my side piece right now. But it's a hell of a lot better than going out and running up GameStop because there's no counterparty, right? So you don't have to worry about somebody else not being there to take the trade. Nobody can shut trading off for you. Nobody can take your Bitcoin. Uh, there's no dilutive, uh, uh, danger because nobody's going to go out and issue more of it. And it is in essence, a way to opt out of the entire system. Your beef is with the fiat system. You're getting fucked because of the fiat system. Your quality of life is diminishing because of the fiat system. It feels Horrible when you work a 40-hour week and you can't afford a Domino's pizza because of the fiat system. So you can exit the fiat system a number of ways. Gold is my first preference, but Bitcoin could also work as well. And Bitcoin could be the answer. And by the way, when FOMO catches on in Bitcoin, like I think it'll probably do into the second half of this year. We'll talk about that if you want. There's no, there's no more supply to meet the FOMO. You know? It's just a bigger bid. And what happens when the bid gets bigger? What happens when 5 million pissed off Occupy Wall Street, GameStop, Wall Street bet, what do they call themselves, retards, apes? What happens when 5 million of those degenerate motherfuckers, term of affection, combined with like the 5 million disgusting, dirty hippies that were living in tents during Occupy Wall Street, combined with the. 2 million people that are still walking around with Ron Paul signs like I am. What happens when all those people join together and join the Bitcoin network? Well, you could say, this is great. There's just a lot of people buying it. Well, that's one way to look at it. But also, when you understand the network and you understand it is literally the code equivalent, it is the technological braille of the saying there's safety in numbers and power to the people, that when that, adoption happens that quickly, you're not just exiting all in in unison. It's not everybody running out of the theater at the same time. You're simultaneously strengthening the network, which is really a thing of elegance and a thing of beauty. And one of the cool little, you know, things that it takes a while to understand about Bitcoin. So there is a real ideological case to get excited about with Bitcoin. Am I saying it's going to be the standard in 20 years, 50 years? No, I'm not. Am I saying it's definitely going to go up? No, I'm not. Am I saying that there is definitely an elegance to the network and there is an appeal to the ideology that I think makes it worth having exposure to? If not for anything, I think it's a worthy cause You know, I'm sitting here at six in the morning and I'm getting fired up just talking about it. (laughs) Like, I think it's a worthwhile cause. And so like, if you're going to bet on something, why not just bet on kind of returning some of that power to the people? I've been sitting here crowing about how the system is broken for so long. And I like gold, but there's things about gold. You know, there's things about Bitcoin that gold can't do at full stop. There's things about gold that Bitcoin can't do full stop. So, let me put a bow on it here and then I'll let you ask your second question in an hour. <laughs> the point is the next time we have a, the next time we have a crisis, okay? And you get all these riled up angry people that are angry for a reason, they have their answer. The the only question is whether or not they're going to see it and it, and it's on them. The Bitcoin network is going to work if people want it to work. End of story. It's not up to fucking Hillary Clinton. It's not up to Elizabeth Warren. It's not up to the fucking Premier of Australia. It's not up to the fucking President of Japan. It's not up to the Ministry of Finance in India. It's not up to some guy in Finland. It's not up to any of these people. It's going to survive if people want it to. And that's the beauty of the redundancy of the network. You know, why did Wikipedia? become a oh yeah that's a lot
0: that's enough i think we got the idea (laughs) but you can kind of just from that you can kind of hear somebody who has understood money for a very long time if you're into gold right now if you've been holding on to gold for a while you've been waiting for what's coming you've been waiting for the government's to print themselves into oblivion and devalue your currency so much that it costs $20 for a pack of bacon. That's kind of where we're at right now. So this guy has understood this for years. He's understood how everything works within our monetary system. But he's recently discovered Bitcoin and, and just listening to him talk and listening to get him get so fired up and excited about it and one thing I noticed there is that he said that Bitcoin can do things that gold can do, which is absolutely true. You can't take gold in an airport. If you had three million dollars worth of gold sitting in your basement right now and you want to move to El Salvador or to Thailand, what are you doing with that gold? How are you what is your plan to get rid of that three million dollars worth of gold? Are you gonna put it on an airplane? Are you gonna sell it all? Are you gonna pay somebody else to store it here for you? You can't take that with you. With Bitcoin, it's just 12 words in your head that you can take anywhere. And once you land, once the plane touches down wherever your destination is, you have those 12 words. You don't have to. You don't even have to, have to memorize them. You write them in a book that you're reading on the plane. 12 words, you get to that country, open up that book, put in your 12 words, all of a sudden you have access to all this Bitcoin, all of this currency, all of this peer-to-peer electronic cash. You can't do that with gold. And so he said that, that's one aspect of it. But then he said that gold has, gold can do things that Bitcoin can't do. Like what? And then he, he moved very quickly from that because I think that he didn't want Peter to kind of question him on that. But what is something that, that gold can do that Bitcoin can't, other than make a gold watch or a necklace or a ring. So there's value in that, but is that is it something that you can send as a currency? No. And so he's kind of going down this path of, if if you understand how bad the system is, Bitcoin is the best option for that. He's still saying that gold is, I think that he's slowly coming out of that phase or not phase, but that mentality, very hard to admit that you're wrong about something. And I think that that's kind of the phase that we're in right now. There's gold people who understand everything. They just haven't got to the point of fully comprehending the fact that Bitcoin is better in every single aspect than gold, other than being able to make a gold watch or a gold chain. So, Pretty crazy. I mean, if you can think of something else that Bitcoin does better than Bitcoin, I'd be, I'm all ears. But outside of the jewelry aspect and outside of Bitcoin not having a very long history, track record, if you look at any chart comparing Bitcoin and gold, everything is in the greens for Bitcoin, except like the little check marker that it's good at this, good at this, except track record, it's only 15 years old. And I think a lot of people can't get past that aspect of it. So very early here, I think that we're going to start wrapping up the show. We're at 40 minutes today. So unless we got anything to chat about within the chat, I'm going to start uh, winding things down on this holiday Monday. Crypto Heathen says Robinhood halting trading on the GME, the GameStop short squeeze was what made me look into Bitcoin. So that's very interesting. And that's, you know, the whole, the whole GameStop, the whole, what was the other one, GameStop and AMC? Everything that was happening there is that people understood the fact that, you know, these these big institutions are shorting this company, these companies, GameStop and AMC, they're shorting these companies, trying to make them fail. And when they fail, Wall Street's gonna get a huge payout. So people people like us realized what was going on there and they basically gave them a big GFY and started running the price up because the higher the price goes, the worse off it is if you're shorting that asset. If you're shorting an asset, you're basically betting on that to fail. And the more that it doesn't fail, the more that it, it succeeds, the harder of a time you're gonna have paying that off and the more it's gonna cost you for being wrong. So that's essentially what happened there. And this guy is saying that if if we do happen, if that happens again, don't look to the stock market because w- we saw what happened with that. They shut it down. As soon as they were losing, they shut the game down. With Bitcoin, they cannot do that. They cannot shut Bitcoin down. So I, I do think that over these next couple of years, even the fact that, you know, we have this. We have this very small window right now in terms of Bitcoin doesn't sleep. The Bitcoin market does not shut down ever runs 24, seven, Our current legacy system does not. And so there's a disconnect there right now between people being able to buy Bitcoin on the weekends and at night versus the markets, the ETFs do not have that ability. So I think that sometime in the next couple of years, they're going to change that. And the markets will be, they're talking about tokenized tokenization and tokenizing all these different stocks, but this will change because whenever they're losing the game, they change the rules. But this time they're actually going to have to change the rules in Bitcoin's favor. So there's a small window here where we actually have the opportunity to inflict some pain here. So what happens with that i have no idea but the opportunity is there and he's saying that instead of focusing on like the gamestops and the amcs bitcoin is right here for you if you want to revolt if you want to peacefully revolt against these institutions which was essentially the reason for gamestop bitcoin exists look no further than bitcoin everything yep I think a lot of people felt that, but there was nothing that we could really do at that point. But now Bitcoin exists. It existed then, but I think that it's much more, people understand the reason for Bitcoin now, much more than they did then. So I think we're going to leave it there. I hope this was uh, fairly in- informative, I guess, and, and really you know, made you think about Bitcoin at, at its core. Without everything else, without the mining, without the ledger, without the wasted energy, without all of that, without the inflation hedge, what is Bitcoin at its core? If you wanted to send somebody money, you can instantly to anybody else on earth, peer-to-peer. There's no one that can stop that. So that is, if you're looking to get out of that system, Bitcoin is by far the best answer to that. So I hope everybody has a great holiday here in Canada. Is it a holiday in the US today? I don't know. It's family day for most of Canada, except in Manitoba, we call it Louis Riel Day. So either way, there's some sleep-ins in this house this morning, but we're up. We're talking about Bitcoin nice and early. So anyways, I hope everybody has a great day, great holiday if you're in Canada. And I don't know what's happening in the US, but anyways, we'll be here right uh, first thing tomorrow morning. Losing my words here. No holiday in the U.S. confirmed. Okay, well, I take that back. Everybody in Canada, have a great holiday Monday. Everybody else, the U.S., around the world, have a great Monday. We'll catch you right back here first thing tomorrow morning. Bye-bye.